Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here for the Week Six DFS Main Slate breakdown and walkthrough. Uh, a little bit later than usual, as I was watching the Oklahoma Sooners beat the Texas Longhorns, and <laughs> I'd, I'd rather do this podcast than listen to Todd Orlando's meeting with the media to ask what the hell was going on with the defense in that game. Boy, C.D. Lamb, uh, the wide receiver from the Oklahoma Sooners, just what a transformation he's made with his body from this year to last. He was so good last year, but just so much beastlier and bigger this year. Uh, I can't wait till we're doing the podcast talking NFL draft and dynasty and all those prospects, but uh, C.D. Lamb is going to be one that will be right on the tip of our tongues through the whole process as we bring you this content live from uh, all the stops on the draft tour. With that said, thanks to everybody who's rated and reviewed the podcast this week. No need to berate anybody at this point. I think you guys got us up close to 500 ratings and reviews. If not, it's it's um, it's close. So thank you for doing that. But please continue to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. It's how you can keep this podcast and Byron Lambert's Tradecast from going behind the paywall at rosterwatch.com. This is going to be a quicker one than usual because, like I said, I'm a little bit behind and i got to get ready for the serious show. But we'll walk through, as usual, game by game, identifying some of the plays that our model has picked out and also give some supplemental advice if you're playing tournaments or if you're um, you know, getting off of plays that are on the cheat sheet or the Vegas tool, et cetera, because there's certainly always plays that I'm interested in that our model just isn't. So uh, I, I like to do this so uh, to give a little bit of context to maybe what our model could be seeing and and um, ways that I'm putting together some of my lineups that I view as either optimal or, you know, possibly, you know, plus EV if we're talking a tournament perspective. So let's just start out with this. The Carolina-Tampa Bay game, that's not on the main slate, so we'll skip over that. We'll go start out right here with Houston at KC. Probably one of the most – probably the most popular game of the week to stack. Uh, Houston – is four-point underdogs at this point going into Kansas City. We have 66% of the tickets on Kansas City, but only 41% of the money, indicating some sharp support here for the Houston Texans. The over-unders is at 55. Uh, 70% of the bets are on the over and 80% of the money. So sharp support here coming in also for the over, which is interesting because uh, you know those games in Arrowhead under Andy Reid tend traditionally to go 
under. With that being said, we're in a spot this week where Patrick Mahomes looks like he's back healthy. Um, Look, we saw last week with Patrick Mahomes, whenever that ankle is an issue for him, and it could kind of continue to be in a situation where we got to monitor for re-injury during games because those high ankles, he's not giving it much time to heal when he continues to come back. Uh, from from getting dinged up so so quickly like this but that said he's still Patrick Mahomes we saw last week though whenever he can't get outside the pocket and, and to make his just magician throws sort of off platform and and um and to do so in, in a way that just isn't scripted or or um is not this kind of backyard you know scramble drill stuff it, that offensive line can look really shitty so Will that be the case again this week? I think that Patrick Mahomes will be fine. This is one of our best matchups for opposing uh, quarterbacks at rosterwatch.com on the entire slate. Let me see if I get our ranking sheet pulled up, and I'll tell you exactly what the um, what the matchup is for opposing quarterbacks on the Roster Watch matchup tool. It is um, – let's see, quarterback. So our number – Jesus, man, who sorted this thing? Our number – nine matchup for opposing quarterbacks in this spot. So Patrick Mahomes certainly in play, and he's on the cheat sheets. Uh, 7,500 on DraftKings, 9,200 on FanDuel, 0.63 fantasy points per attempt thus far this season and averaging almost 25 fantasy points per game. So hard to go on with him. It's really easy to pair him with Travis Kelsey. We need there. There's value this week in a couple of spots, and it's going to be chalky value that we'll talk about with Malcolm Brown and the Los Angeles Rams. But there are some other good tight end options as well. I think if you're playing in this game and you like to, you know, here, look, the good plays are Deshaun Watson. They are DeAndre Hopkins, to a lesser extent, Will Fuller, because a lot of people will be on Will Fuller expecting that blow up from last week to occur again. I'm not saying it won't occur again, but let's just monitor uh, Kenny Stills. If he's back this week, that could put a damper on things. And plus, my, Will Fuller at 6K, that's kind of expensive. We liked him so much last week, and we talked about it here on the pod because he was 4500 And it just seems like after last week, the Kansas City defense is going to have to say, look, we can't dedicate all the resources uh, to DeAndre Hopkins that Atlanta did last week because we'll see that Will Fuller is just going to burn us. So I, I like DeAndre Hopkins this week. He's a terrific play. Not very interested in the Carlos Hyde or Duke Johnson sides of things. Although for so there's a weird thing inside of me, and don't ever make your plays based on a weird feeling you have. But I have a weird feeling that Duke Johnson finally could pop off here in this spot. Um, no Jordan Akins, no, no Darren Fells. I'm not interested in any of these tight ends. As far as the Kansas City side, we talked about it. Patrick Mahomes, we could have Tyreek Hill back and Sammy Watkins out if that's the case. But by all means, in your tournaments, feel free to feel free to play Tyreek Hill, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, with these clavicles, he's always going to be at risk for re-injury in-game, but all these guys are always at risk for re-injury in-game. It's a very violent sport. Travis Kelsey, I think you're fine playing Demarcus Robinson. You're probably fine playing McCole Hardman. Uh, it's good spots for both of those guys as well, especially if there's no Sammy Watkins. So just keep that all in mind for that game. I think it's an interesting one to stack up if you're looking to be contrarian in a way that you could possibly stack. Damian Williams comes to mind. Um, if you 
look at his pricing on DraftKings 5,700 over there. You know, in the games that he's been healthy, he's been getting five targets a game. So they're they're using him in the past game as well. He's plus 125 to score this week. So uh, I definitely like him a little bit better than Shady McCoy, despite the fact that Shady McCoy uh, had, it was uh, he's minus 150 to score. So a lot of ways to stack it. If you're interested in getting off the passing games, I'd go Damian Williams. But I think if you're a real you know jerky dude or gal that, that would like to um, even you know differentiate yourself farther than playing the playing the uh, running backs in this game as opposed to the pass catchers, I think that Damian Williams will be the more popular running back than Lashawn McCoy, who we've heard nothing about all week. At least I haven't heard anybody talk about Lashawn McCoy. Uh, okay, so on to the next game here. That game's going to be one that's going to be one that tons of people are going to be stacking. This next game, I think, is a reasonable stacking alternative. It's Seattle at Cleveland. The total in this one is 46, so nothing like that 55 over-under. But uh, Seattle has gone from being a two-point underdog on the road here to being a one-point favorite. 68% of the money is on the... I'm sorry, 68% of the tickets are on Seattle, but only 48% of the money. So maybe a little bit of sharp support here for the Cleveland Browns. And I, I, I kind of think that the Cleveland Browns are a sharp play here too. We have um, our models really popped for Odell Beckham at only 6,800 on DraftKings this week. Um, you know, Od- Od- Odell Beckham, the uh, the – receptions haven't been there that much this season but I mean he is getting targeted almost nine times a game and we have the the um narrative that Jarvis Landry this week had told the media that Odell Beckham needs to get more involved of course you know that they're such great friends from their time together at LSU and look this this Seattle defense sucks and the problem with Baker Mayfield if you look at any of the next gen stats or any of the stuff they have at Sports Info Solutions is the the amount of time in the pocket, you know, before he gets the throw off. A lot of these routes that Freddie Kitchens is dialing up, a lot of these concepts are slow developing concepts. And when there's pressure on Mayfield, that's when he turns into a pumpkin. Well, we saw that versus San Francisco. This Seattle defense is completely different. They, they, They aren't getting pressure in the same way. Do they have some good pieces? Yeah. I mean, they have Clowney, they have some good pieces, but it's definitely not the same sort of pass rushing unit. And, Seattle's defense sucks. We've seen we've seen all kinds of different players at all kinds of different positions go absolutely bananas against them. So Nick Chubb, I think this week nobody's going to be on him. Uh, he's an excellent play in tournaments if you're looking to maybe deviate from the cash game script. And I'll, I'll tell you if, you, if you're playing cash games, I think that the best thing to do is play Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette. Malcolm Brown at your running back spots, but that's what everybody else is going to be doing. And generally you don't want to put that kind of lineup into tournaments. So I think Nick Chubb is an excellent swerve in tournaments. If you're looking to maybe get off Bell or Fournette, there's certainly stories you can conjure up in your mind where every bit of that chalk fails, despite the great volume and you know, we're going to want to chase volume and cash. But I think Nick Chubb in this game, it's a stackable game. You can maybe play Mayfield, Chubb, Beckham, Bring it back on the other side with, um, you know, Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson. Chris Carson, when I look at the props this week, as far as uh, over on DraftKings, he has a top, what, five uh, prop as far as, I mean, he's an 80.5 rushing yard, two reception, 18.5 receiving yard prop, and he's minus 125 to score versus our number six matchup of the week for opposing runners in Cleveland. 
And I don't think many people are going to be on Chris Carson because his salary just falls in that same range of Le'Veon Bell at 6,400. So if this game goes off and you have it stacked in a way similar to that, it could be a way to differentiate your lineup and really vault up the leaderboards here in this spot for the um, for the Seahawks and the Cleveland Browns. I'm trying to think. I mean, Jarvis is probably fine. You know, you can. I mean, you can kill Seattle in the slot. So I think that Jarvis is actually probably pretty pretty good. Um, I'm never going to play Antonio Callaway. I'm never going to play like Rashad Penny or I mean, and then Russ, of course. Russ, if you you can run that stack with Russ and lock it and and Will Disley or something like that, and bring it back on the other side with Odell Beckham and Nick Chubb, something like that. You know, If the game goes off, there's a couple ways that you could do it. But it's one of the games that I like is a sneaky sort of tournament stack game that's high risk, but not many people are going to be on it. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are now 11-point favorites in this thing. 53% of the tickets are on Cincy to cover, but only 51% of the money. So sharp support right there along with public sentiment. We have 52% of the tickets on the under, but 74% of the money on the under. So uh, people are thinking that this game will go under, and the Sharps are certainly pounding it with their big money bets that they've been putting in. Um, Look, we're not going to have Marquise Brown in this game on the Baltimore Ravens side, and we have Mark Ingram in our number one matchup for opposing runners versus Cincinnati. It only makes sense to think that the Baltimore Ravens at home as 11-point favorites in the best matchup of the week for opposing running backs are probably going to lean heavily on Mark Ingram. The only issue is Mark Ingram has not been utilized at all in the receiving game like he was during his time in New Orleans. Uh, Mark Ingram thus far this season is averaging 1.8 targets per game. And that's, you know, it's just, we, you, you look at the touches of the guys, the guys in the similar, I mean, 16.6 touches per game for Mark Ingram. Not many people are going to play him because just $100 more is Leonard Fournette. And, you know, what people will see is, not a horrible matchup, uh, but we actually have it as probably the fifth or sixth worst matchup of the week for opposing runners. But when you get the kind of volume of Leonard Fournette, you know, we're talking, what, 23 touches per game versus 16.6. For Le'Veon Bell, who is actually 200 cheaper than Mark Ingram, we're looking at 24.5 touches per game versus 16.6 and eight targets per game versus 1.8. With that being said, just the touchdown equity of Mark Ingram um, probably puts him in play. I was really interested to see that he's not a bigger touchdown favorite, only minus 150 to score this week. I figured he would surely be up there in the minus 200 range. It's funny, the, the highest odds to score this week are actually Ezekiel Elliott, who nobody's going to play, or fewer people are going to play now uh, than I thought early in the week. I, I thought early in the week that Zeke would probably be about 20% owned. As I'm looking at ownership projections around the industry, it's looking he's like he's going to be more like in the 10 to 15% owned range but anyway uh back to ingram i think he's fine and the fact that there's no marquise brown definitely opens things up for mark andrews if you want to play lamar jackson in this game and a game where he could really go off against a shitty defense it's perfectly fine and i think it's fine to pair him with andrews um if you don't want to do that you know we did see that in week one, week one where Marquise Brown hardly played at all but still managed to go off, we, we saw a lot of Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin, of course, a golden son of roster watch nation. 
and a guy who will always uh, have interest in in spots like this. Uh, don't want to go overboard there, but maybe a guy you could sprinkle in some of your tournament lineups to get off some of the low-priced chalk wide receivers, guys such as Preston Williams, who we'll get to. Um, on the is there anything else on the Baltimore? I'm not going to play Gus Edwards. I'm not playing Willie Sneed. They see the DraftKings was sharp. They like if there was a $3,800 Willie Sneed or something like that, maybe we could go there. But DraftKings put him at 5,500, so no real interest there uh, for me on the Cincinnati side. I mean, it's it's just like usual. It's Tyler Boyd or bust. There's going to be some talk about Joe Mixon. I'm just not sure. Keep a stat. Keep an eye on the status of Brandon Williams, the uh, the nose tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. If he's back in, I have no interest in Joe Mixon. If he's out, you know, we, you've seen you can run on the Ravens. Just, ju- just ask our boy Nick Chubb. Um, okay, New Orleans goes to Jacksonville. This game has a 43 total. It looks like 53% of the tickets are on the under, along with 84% of the money. So Sharps think this thing is going under. Jacksonville could be a sneaky defensive play here maybe. I don't know. Look, everybody's going to play Fournette. Some people are going to play Gardner Minshew, although I'm not sure why you need to play Minshew this week. On DraftKings, he's 5K, but as I've you know made my lineups, unless you're paying up and you want to get kind of contrarian with like a Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara maybe in this same game, that could be interesting. Maybe, maybe if you want to pay up for a Kamara in this same game, even though he has a questionable tag and we'll keep an eye on him, but uh, Kamara, really affordable on FanDuel this week. If you wanted to get up to him, though, and maybe stack this game, you could do it with Gardner Minshew, stack him up with DJ Chark, or the guy I like more this week in the slot versus P.J. Williams is D.D. Westbrook. Um, you can just get a big game stack. Get Leonard Fournette in there, get Minshew, get D.D. Westbrook in there, and then, you know, you could bring it back on the uh, – you can bring it back on the other side with – uh, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, something like that. If this game happens to shoot out and goes against this public and sharp sentiment, then you could be well on your way because I don't think this is a game that anybody, anybody will be stacking. It will be a game that people will be taking one-off pieces from, namely Leonard Fournette, who I expect to have 25 to 30% ownership in large field tournaments this week. We mentioned with Kamara – you know, it, it really is not that bad a matchup on paper for him. The number seven matchup of the week for the roster watch matchup tool. I did mention he is cheaper on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings, so there's something to keep in mind there. He's also minus 150 to score. So we talked about all the scoring equity that Mark Ingram had. Alvin Kamara has it as well. And he's getting the 6.2 targets per game, 20.2 touches right now. So uh, certainly more valuable in PPR. But uh, over there on FanDuel, you do get half-point PPR and with the touchdown equity. And uh, I, I think he still probably makes more sense on DK because on DK, that's the site where you can pay down for Minshew. And if you really want to stack this game and, and get, get weird with it, I think it makes – I think from a roster build cons- uh, perspective, it makes more sense over there. If Kamara can't go, I guess maybe we could look at Latavius, but I'm not even going to worry about that. Uh, I, I, think, I think he'll be just fine. Oh, Michael Thomas will be just fine. I, I saw his prop earlier. Um, let's see. Uh, Michael Thomas on the snap counts. Or not the snap counts, on the Vegas tool. Yeah, Michael Thomas had a seven reception prop and an 88.5 yard over under. He's even money to score this week. So it's, it's hard to go wrong with Michael Thomas. But boy, sure did like him a lot better last week at 6,600 than I do this week at 7,800. Um, 
Odell Beckham, whenever we talked, Odell Beckham's the guy who got the disrespectful uh, salary treatment this week and maybe a guy who I would be more interested in going to over there on DraftKings just simply because, you know, this is a week where uh, I talked about there was value, but there's always ways that you can pay up and a thousand bucks in your lineup can make a big difference. Philly at Minnesota, we have a 44 over under here in this one, 59% of the bets are on Philly plus three, only 45% of the money though, so maybe a little bit of sharp support here for the Minnesota Vikings. On the Vikings side, look, YOLO, man, you can go with Cousins and you can go with Diggs and you can go with Thielen. It's still a concentrated, you know, offense as far as the passing game. And this for those guys, On as I look at the ranking sheet here, um, Adam Thielen. Yeah, so Philly's our number four matchup of the week for opposing receivers. It's just, you know, I mean, Adam Thielen, only four receptions per game so far. I know that he's kind of ticking up and there's a bit of a sneaky wheel, squeaky wheel narrative that's still going on. But it's strictly, I think, a tournament play if you're going to want to be stacking this this passing game. I think Dalvin Cook will be a lot less popular than usual. I think I'll probably have less Dalvin Cook than usual just because this Philly defense is tough to run on, and it's going to take some creativity to get him the ball in space and as an extension of the run game that uh, I'm not sure that Stefanski is going to go to the trouble to – uh, dial up, but they might just try and keep pounding him with outside zone, and eventually he could he could hit for one. He looks like one of the best running backs in the league right now. So anytime you can get a guy like that at what seven eight percent ownership, you should probably probably look into it. I'm just saying I don't think I'll be too far over the field. I know that our models identified him, so if you're using the tools at Roster Watch or using the Hyper DFS or any of that stuff, he could pop up in some of your builds, and um, I think you can be happy about that but because you're getting a really talented guy in a situation people are a little bit scared of, uh, and you'll be getting him at a lot lower ownership. I don't think there's any other plays on the Minnesota side to even really talk about. And then on the, on the Philly side, you know Jordan, Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders are basically the only two running backs that the Philly uh, Eagles will have healthy this week. Uh, I believe they called Boston Scott up off of their practice squad, but that he's a pip squeak and, and won't, won't do much. Sure, you can go back to look. They're not gonna, Jordan Howard's not going to get it done running into the brick wall of the of the Vikings defense at home. So Miles Sanders, maybe you could think about using him, but it seems really thin to me. I'm not going to play Alshon Jeffrey. You know, Xavier Rhodes has fallen off greatly this year, but he's he's just he's the kind of corner that Alshon is going to struggle with because he's big and physical and he's not the kind you know it's not like one of these wide receivers versus um versus uh, Xavier Rhodes that we've seen that just can kill him with with separation because he can't turn and move as well anymore Alshon can't turn and move very well anymore either so don't necessarily like the situation for him I think that Zach Ertz probably is where I'm most interested here because if you look at DraftKings pricing, we have George Kittle that's going to be an absolute chalky play here. We have Austin Hooper who's going to be going up against the Arizona Cardinals that absolutely give points to opposing tight ends like a sieve. And you have Zach Ertz that's basically in the same pricing tier as them, 400 more than Hooper, 200 more than Kittle. So not many people are going to be on Ertz. That Minnesota defense does look like one that can be tough against opposing tight ends. The matchup tool actually has it. 
I believe, as you know, the bottom eight-ish matchup on the week, but we have seen uh, various tight ends get over well on them, despite the fact that I believe – who did they play? Was that Evan Ingram last week they were they shut down? I would I would have to look back, man. This stuff starts to run together in my head these 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 weeks. I'll be talking about Tyler Eifert against the against the uh, against the Cardinals here soon enough. Um, trying to think about I was just on the Eagles side. I mean, who can you really like? I, I'm I just I don't have even despite the running back injuries. I don't have much. I I have interest in Ertz. I have interest in Ertz, and I, I mean. If the Philadelphia offense goes off in this spot, you know, what, you know, I'll shut my laptop down early and go take a go take a swim or a jog or something. Um, I I I I kind I kind of think you could play the Minnesota defense too. It's a tough tough week for defenses. Let's just get that out of the way. I I mean Baltimore is probably all right. Dallas is probably all right. But they were so expensive. San Francisco seems like they could be all right, but you know there's going to be some Rams exposure that we want. Um, you know, my buddies Derek Cardi and, and, and Kyle Murray earlier were trying to talk me onto Atlanta, despite the fact they're playing Arizona. Just Arizona's going to throw so much, and Kyler Murray's taking so many sacks. Maybe you can get them. And then you, you look all the way down at like on DraftKings. The Jets are priced at fifteen hundred dollars, so I mean it's not, they're averaging ten point eight points per game. You look at their game log; they had a sixteen pointer at New England, they had an eighteen pointer at home versus Buffalo, only a five point. I mean, they've gotten you at least four points each week. So the Jets could be sort of in play here if you just if you're looking to spend up spend up elsewhere. So just a little diversion there onto defenses since I mentioned it for the. Um, for the Minnesota Vikings. And you can also look at some on the – like the model pops some out too. Like none of them I'm thrilled about. But you go check those out over at rosterwatch.com. It's a week where if I'm playing a lot of tournaments, I'm not going to have massive exposure to any one of them. Two more defenses you might want exposure to because these are the two shittiest teams in the league. The 0-5 Washington Redskins travel to the 0-4 Miami Dolphins. Regardless, I mean, I think there are ways that we can play this in fantasy um, – Washington's four-point favorites. It looks like we have 53% of the money, or 46% of the money, I'm sorry, on Washington, and 53% of the tickets, so not too much divergence there and how the public sees it versus the Sharps. It's Case Keenum. It's Terry McLaurin. There's no Jordan Reed. There's no Vernon Davis. I think that that spells good news for Terry McLaurin here in this spot because we know that Case Keenum loves him, and we know Washington's, We know that, well, Washington does suck. We know Miami sucks. And so if you want to get really weird and play a Case Keenum stack with, with, um, with Terry McLaurin, I think it's perfectly fine to bring that thing back with Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake's got a really good – Kenyon Drake has, has, an, has an over, a receptions over-under of four receptions this week. A 43-and-a-half rushing yard, four reception, 28-and-a-half receiving yard over-under, and he's plus 135 to score. Kalen Blodge has completely fallen off, and he looks, looks like absolute shit. I mean, I've never seen a guy that looks better in workouts at places like the Senior Bowl and and stuff like that. Just go on to the NFL and just look like such a complete turd. I mean, Mark Walton, who absolutely sucks, 
is taking work away from him. This will be the best matchup that, and the best game situation at home that Kenyon Drake will see all year. He's only 4,400. If you don't want to play Malcolm Brown in the later window and want to direct pivot off of him at 40% ownership or whatever it's going to be, why not look at Kenyon Drake at 4,400 and uh, get him at probably one-tenth of the ownership? I mean, I could recommend that as a standalone play, and I'm thinking about getting him onto the cheat sheets manually over at rosterwatch.com, even though he didn't pop in the model. I, I do like him this week. Kenyon Drake's a player that I generally hate. The other guy here is Preston Williams. He has a uh, he has a he has a nice prop himself, and his connection with Josh Rosen dating back to the preseason is just you know something that we definitely need to keep in mind. If Albert Wilson is back, that could screw things up a little bit, but I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna worry about Albert Wilson coming back in a play like this. That's so off the wall. Um, you know, if this thing hits, it can hit. But I, I think you could probably, you know, get a bunch of pieces from this game really cheap, and then stack it up with other uh, other op- options that are higher priced and maybe more kind of chalk options. And then if the chalk goes off and this game goes off, I'm not saying to go crazy about this game, but I'm saying it seems like they're. Probably have some fantasy viable plays here. Terry McLaurin stands to have a good game here, right? Kenyon Drake stands to have a good game here. And so pieces connected to them could, and there could be some kind of weird mini stack potential here in this one. Of course, you could play either, either defense too, in case it's just a complete, you know, shit fest, which is well within the realm of possibilities. Atlanta at Arizona, this game is going to be between talking about two one-win football teams. It's still going to be one of the most popular games of the week for stacking and for very good reason. This game has a 51.5 total. Uh, Atlanta's favored by 2.5 going out to the desert. We have 78% of the tickets on Atlanta, 83% of the money also on the Falcons. Everybody in their dog is betting the over here at 51.5. This thing opened at 47 and just keeps creeping up because these defenses are absolute dog shit. 73% of the tickets on the over, 93% of the money on the over. Go go bet the over in this game because all the sharps are. <laughs> if, if, if you lose, they're going to lose too. Um, so Atlanta, you get Matt Ryan, he's fine. Julio Jones is fine. Calvin Ridley's fine. Mohamed Sanu is fine. I think uh, as I'm looking on DraftKings here, Mohamed Sanu is actually the best value of all of them. He has a five reception, 52.5 yard prop. He's plus 185 to score. Um, if we're basing it on his Vegas prop, but Julio Jones is just a beast and a goat himself. He's not too much farther down. At 8K, he's got an 89.5 reception over-under. He's also back to being a favorite to score this week, which I certainly like to see. The only problem with Julio is that just if you look at his numbers on the season, um, just compared to some of these other guys who are getting – like Michael Thomas is getting nine receptions a game. Cooper Cup's getting like 8.2. Keenan Allen's at 7.6. Guys even like Tyler Boyd, who we talked about earlier, is 7.4. Julio Jones is only getting 5.2 receptions per game this season. So that should probably come up some. Still, it's the number 11 matchup of the week versus Arizona. Still no Patrick Peterson. So you can always feel comfortable getting in Julio Jones. Um, If you want to be kind of like a creepy troll in tournaments and go with Devontae Freeman, I think that's fine just in case they get down to the goal line a couple times and one of those wide receivers like get tripped up at the two. Punching in a couple times with Freeman, he's uh, he's he's leaving Edo Smith a, a good bit in the dust as far as his work in the receiving game as well. So, um, you can always go with that over there. 
On the other side, I don't know if DJ is going to be 100% this week. He said last week he couldn't even sit comfortably on the airplane coming home just due to his back. That was looking like Chase Edmonds was going to open up for us. Now I'm not entirely sure that that is indeed going to be opening up for us. So we will uh, keep an eye on that. If If DJ can't go for some reason, I mean, Chase Edmonds is just a lock here. Um, it looks like we'll get Christian Kirk back, so I need to get him back in our rankings. And also, let's remind myself, get Kirk in the rankings because I was pretty sure he wasn't going to go. But if he's back, he's healthy. And so him and Larry Fitzgerald, both great options. I'm not sure how much I can trust DJ here in this spot, but I do love Kyler Murray. He's been rushing more and more, has a big rushing prop again this week. And I'm encouraged by the fact that they're throwing the ball a little bit more to the end zone than they have. He's got like a, he's got like a 2% touchdown rate. That thing is set to really rebound and come up. So he's been providing you a decent floor. He's been a 20-point-per-game guy so far on the season, and regression should hit here in this game. If it does, you want to be connected to his pieces. And uh, I would recommend Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Definitely plenty of ways to bring it back on the other side, too. Okay, San Francisco at the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, This game opened up at 48.5. It's now at a 50.5 over-under, and the Sharps are just pounding the over in this thing. 66% of the tickets, 82% of the money. Looks like an interesting game to stack. Um, Even though, let's just start on the Rams side. Jared Goff, uh, we don't like him as much. We, We love him at home, but don't like him as much versus pressure. We saw the kind of pressure that San Francisco and Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator there, are, are capable of bringing. It, it's still a spot where you probably want a piece of that. I mean, you want some Cooper Cup. If you, look at, if you look at Robert Woods, I mean, I don't have the salaries pulled up, but I think he's like 5,200. Uh, it looks like Brandon Cooks is probably going to go. Uh, he's down in the low 5Ks as well. Now, with Brandon Cooks going, you have to ask yourself, does that take you off Gerald Everett a little bit, who's been just an absolute monster recently for me? It kind of does. I think I'm going to be focusing in that five to 5,400 range we mentioned earlier with who was it was. Cooper, Kittle, and Ertz here in this same game, Kittle. Because, look, Malcolm Brown is no, – no Todd Gurley in this game. Malcolm Brown at 4,300, and especially at 4,800 on FanDuel, just comes squarely into the picture as an every-down workhorse. Um, if you want to fade him, it's, it's perfectly fine. Uh, 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 you know, my friend Kyle Murray that I do the Roto Grinder show with earlier said that he's going to have a 100% fade in tournaments on Malcolm Brown because that's kind of the – GPP like hashtag process play um you know the chalk busts in tournaments and all of a sudden you find yourself ahead of 40 percent of the field I mean it makes sense I tend to think with more of a cash game sort of perspective first and foremost and then deviate from that to kind of make my tournament lineups and so it's hard for me to wrap my head around not playing Malcolm Brown he's just a really good play He's a good player who's a five-star recruit out of Cibolo Steel. I mean, of course, I watched him a ton here down, down here at, at, at Texas. He never really got fully unleashed because he was always um, splitting time with another just elite uh, Texas high school running back in Jonathan Gray. Regardless, um, Malcolm Brown's a good player. And I Daryl Henderson, I'm not sure he is. And so I'm not worried about him taking any of these snaps away. On the San Francisco side, I mean – 
Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, this thing's going to be too hard to figure out. I'm not going to play either of those guys, even though Tevin Coleman's super cheap. Maybe if you wanted to pivot, I think he's like the same price as Malcolm Brown, so you could maybe pivot to him if you're not interested in the cockamamie Kenyon Drake ideas that I was having earlier. Um, yeah, but, I mean, Kittle is the real is the real uh, news, on the, especially on DraftKings 5200. If you look at the Vegas tool, you'll see he's at the very top of it. Vegas thinks that George Kittle – uh, has the cheapest price on DraftKings for what he's set to score. Actually, much higher than we're even used to seeing here at 3.21x, his 5200 uh, salary here. He has a 71.5 uh, receiving yard prop and a six reception prop. I know people are worried that there's no Kyle Juszczyk this week, especially Booger fucking McFarlane. <laughs> but the, um, you know, they're saying that maybe that will lead to George Kittle, who's an excellent blocker, to have to maybe block more and, and, and be more part of the run game. But look, on the routes that he runs, he's gonna he's gonna be he's 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 gonna be just fine. This is a middling matchup versus opposing tight ends. And one of the really good ways that you can uh, exploit the San Francisco 49ers is, you know, if they are bringing that pressure, a lot of times those hot reads that are from those overhang linebackers are going to come at the expense of leaving the curl flat open to the to the to the tight ends. If you get, if you got an athletic one who can get upfield after that, which George Kittle most certainly is, he's almost the quintessential yards after catch tight end in the league currently. He's he's a he, he's a great play. You could tell that I loved Kittle this week. Um, okay, let's see here. Let's move on to the next one. I don't think I missed anybody else. I'm not playing any of the San Francisco wide receivers. Um, you know, but one last thing about Los Angeles, it, it, you, you could play golf with his wide receivers and just not play Malcolm Brown. If you're looking for a way to differentiate and not play Brown, if you're just not bought into it, I think it's fine. I think for me, I'm probably just going to get, you know, eat the chalk, get Brown in there, bring it back for George Kittle, get a good little piece of that game in my, in, in into my lineup. Dallas, uh, we do only two left. Jeez. Okay, perfect, man. Because I got to get the hell out of here. Dallas at the New York Jets. Dallas is why well, this is a three twenty-five p.m. game. That's cool uh, on the East Coast. Uh, Dallas is seven-point favorites here after opening up as nine-point favorites. I guess that came down a little bit with the news that Sam Darnold would play. Seventy-two percent of the public is on the Cowboys, but only fifty-one percent of the money. So some sharp support here for the New York Jets. Plus seven at a 44.5 over-under, 66% of the tickets on the over and 85% of the money on the over. So, look, it's going to be the first week that a ton of people don't play Zeke. And as far as his matchup, now Zeke does have the best – he does have the best touchdown prop on the whole slate at minus 250 for the main slate. But – his uh, let me just see. Did we even get props on this game? Yeah. So he's got eighty-two point five rushing yard prop with a three reception prop, twenty-six point five receiving yard prop, minus two fifty to score. But at eighty-five hundred, you're really paying up. He's a better play over there on Fanduel, where he's also eighty-five hundred. Of course, fifty thousand dollars salary on DraftKings, sixty thousand dollars salary on Fanduel. So if somebody's the same price, they're a significant uh, lesser, um, you know, percentage of your complete salary cap allocation on FanDuel than they are on, on DK if they're the same price across both sites. Amari Cooper is fine to play. He's been always been better at home, but this New York Jets secondary is absolute trash. Michael Gallup's probably the – I mean, he's sneaky as hell to play this week. 
I love Michael Gallup this week. Um, the only he just comes in and like he's just made a just from his senior bowl to now he has just gotten so much bigger and beastlier and better and his hands are better and he's I mean he's averaging 22 points per game so far this season. So um, certainly an interest there in him. Uh, Dak, I mean, it, look, it's the same thing with Dak when I'm kind of lukewarm on Zeke, man. Like, if we don't have Tyron Smith and we don't have Lyle Collins on the offensive line for this game, I mean, what, are we, what are we really doing? Like, what, like, it feels a little bit like we're chasing our tails, but no one's going to be on Zeke, or much less than usual is going to be on Zeke, especially for in a spot where Dallas is a seven-point favorite. Hardly anybody's going to be on Dak while ever people are still interested in playing Amari and Gallup in good matchups. I think it's okay to play those guys because there's easy stacking options on the other side. And the two options you should be thinking about on the New York Jets side are very easy. Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder. With Sam Darnold coming back, we saw Jamison Crowder targeting targeted 17 times uh, in, in week one. And there's a little bit of a wrench thrown into the plans there. Now that Demarius Thomas is kind of part of this thing, I just think that Jamison Crowder is uh, is definitely – um, definitely Darnold's dude, and, and, and the slot is a great way to attack these Dallas Cowboys. So uh, I think that that's the way that I would go with that one there. If you're interested in the Cowboys, definitely bring it back with Le'Veon Bell and bring it back with Jamison Crowder if you're playing in a big tournament. And finally, I believe the last game we'll get to, it feels like I skipped over one, but it's just a smaller slate this week. Denver hosting Tennessee Titans. Denver's two-point favorites in this one. The over-under is 40 and a half. I'd almost venture to say, uh, like, what, Philip Lindsay? Yeah. Pretty anticlimactic end to this thing, guys. I mean, Cortland Sutton's been going off. You can always play him. Um, who else? Derrick Henry? I mean, we did see what Leonard Fournette did. We did see what Leonard Fournette did in Denver against these same Broncos and Vic Fangio's same. Is his defense still shitty? I'm not sure it's still shitty, but I think it's still shitty. And we know that Derrick Henry is a beast of a very, very, very similar species to one Mr. Leonard Fournette. Credit card bill. 